Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham, a journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. This special episode is in partnership with Morrison and Forster. In this episode, we're looking at two major corporate trends, US-listed SPACs combining with Asia-based tech companies and private equity-backed take privates of US-listed Chinese-headquartered tech companies. I'm joined by Marsha Ellis, Global Chair of the Private Equity Practice at Morrison & Forster. Hi, Marsha. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So let's start off by looking at SPACs. Are you seeing a rise in US-listed SPACs combining with Asia-based tech companies? Yeah, we're definitely seeing a rise in this sector. You know, there were 24 DSPACs involving Asia-based companies, 15 of which were technology companies, and that's since 2020. Um, So DSPACs, as you know, are what we call the combinations, the mergers that go on between the SPAC and a target. Um, And there's been a big increase between 2020 and 2021. There were three in 2020. Um, and 20 in 2021. Now, in 2022, we're at the very beginning of the year. There's only been one filed so far, but we're expecting to see a considerable number. And one example that we've seen that has you know, really caught the attention of the world is the merger between Singapore's Grab and Altimeter Growth Corporation. Grab's valuation was nearly 40 billion US dollars, making it the world's largest ever company to complete a listing by DSPAC. And what's driving this trend? Well, I mean, in some ways, it's just simple mathematics. There are 500 US listed SPACs that are still looking for targets, and there just aren't enough suitable targets in the U.S. market. So they have to go out to some other market. And Asia, in many ways, is the most logical market. Given the size of these SPACs, the likelihood is that their targets will need to be unicorns. And Asia is second only to the U.S. in the number of unicorns it has. So it it is really just a a logical step for these SPACs to be looking in Asia for, for targets. You know, we had predicted already at the beginning of 2021 that this trend was going to be, there was going to be a significant increase in the number of DSPACs with Asia-based companies. And we've seen that. Now, I think that there would have been even more in 2021 if there hadn't been a lot of regulatory headwinds that sort of tamped down the number of people who were able to, to do DSPACs with Asian companies. But by and large, advisors are finding ways to deal with the tax risk and other regulatory risks that come up with um, these facts with Asia-based companies. And so we should see we should see more of these in 2022. Yeah, and it feels like that it's quite a evolving area, I'm guessing, for the advisory community with the SPAC trend firstly, but also the kind of cross-border, the regulatory headwinds that you mentioned. There must be a lot of moving parts. There are a lot of moving parts and a lot of new structures that people have to come up with to to deal with, for example, tax that might arise in a specific jurisdiction in a way that it wouldn't if we were doing this DSPAC in with between a U.S. SPAC and a U.S. company. 
So yeah, there's there's a lot of brain power that has to be put into this to, in order to decide. But once the advisors settle on super suitable structures, it'll be applicable to many many companies. And linking to that, the Hong Kong Stock Exchange recently issued the conclusions of its consultation on SPACs. How has that changed things and how do you expect that to change things in the coming years? Well, you know, even though the the Hong Kong SPAC regime has only come into effect as of January 1st of this year, there've already been four Hong Kong SPACs that have filed and all of them are seeking targets in China in the technology and biotechnology slash healthcare sectors. So we are going to see competition for U.S. SPACs as far as targets are concerned. And it, it may be that, that those Hong Kong listed SPACs will be more attractive to targets just because of there's various regulatory reasons that a Hong Kong listing in some ways is more attractive for a Chinese company than a U.S. listing. When we originally saw the original consultation paper that the Hong Kong Stock Exchange issued on SPACs, we thought it might not be attractive to SPAC sponsors and to targets because there were a lot of features that the Hong Kong Stock Exchange was being rather conservative on that made that made the regime less attractive than the U.S. regime. But in reality, they heard some of the comments from market players and they did tweak some of the, the features in the final version so that it is somewhat more attractive. And uh, we're seeing in the market that there's considerable traction with sponsors, at least. So we're expecting that in 2022, we may see SPAC offs, which are, you know, auctions involving a particular targets where you've got Hong Kong SPACs and US SPACs going after the same target. And you may have those Hong Kong SPACs being much more attractive to the targets because of, as I said, these regulatory differences between Hong Kong and U.S. listings. And the U.S. SPACs may have to offer better economic terms to targets in order to incentivize them to go for a U.S. SPAC rather than a Hong Kong SPAC. Yeah, you can imagine it's a lot easier for a Chinese company to be listed in Hong Kong rather than the U.S. Yes, at this point. And, you know, the U.S. market is actually somewhat unattractive to Chinese-based companies right now because of the U.S. Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act, which deals with about essentially how the audits are done of companies. And uh, currently, China-based companies are unable to fulfill the requirements under these acts because of Chinese laws that restrict them from fulfilling the requirements. So if they are not able to fulfill these requirements for three years running, they will be forcibly delisted from the U.S. exchanges. So you can imagine that not a lot of people are going to want to go into a U.S. listing when they may be forcibly delisted in three years. Yeah, that's really interesting. So turning to another type of deal making, linking the U.S. and Asia, private equity backed take privates of U.S. listed Chinese headquartered companies. Can you tell me what activity you're seeing in that space and and what are the notable examples? Well, this trend is resulting from the same issue that I was talking about of the, the accounting related issue under the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act. So China-based companies that are U.S. listed are looking at the possibility of being delisted in three years. So they are starting to think of other options for themselves. And one option is that the controlling shareholder 
gets a sets up a consortium, usually with private equity funds. And, you know, does it take private of these U.S. listed companies with a intention to perhaps list later in Hong Kong or list on the Chinese markets? So it this has become a, a rising trend in Asia. And we, we expect to see more of these take privates in 2022. Some of the ones that have been announced or, or have been completed recently is there's a 58.com, which is an online classifieds business, which did a take private backed by Warburg Pincus and General Atlantic and a local PE fund, OceanLink Partners. And one that is pending is 51 Jobs, Inc., which is an online, offline human resources services business. And there's a, a take private pending right now with DCP Partners, which is a spin out of KKR and OceanLink Partners. So we're seeing a lot of these. You know, it's very complex because there have been a lot of regulatory changes in China recently. And sometimes those regulatory changes can impact these type privates. For example, there was a take private involving a tutoring company, Terena International, which was pending at the time the Chinese government issued new regulations on tutoring that effectively made foreign investment in tutoring illegal. Eventually, that take private was terminated and not completed because of these new regulations. But we expect to see more of this in 2022. And is there still an appetite by the big US private equity firms who, as far as I'm aware, still have a lot of dry powder to deploy? Do they still have quite a strong appetite for take privates of Chinese headquartered companies? Yeah, I think that they are, they are learning how to be more careful about the sectors they choose because it really is a sector by sector issue. But I think there is still strong appetite. And we, we, we are hearing about quite a number of take privates that people are planning at this point. So I think that they are, they do have appetite for this. The ability to have returns, significant returns from the difference in trading price on a U.S. market and a trading price on a Hong Kong or a Chinese market is, is very attractive. And you touched on it a bit there, but do you expect the trends to continue? We do expect these trends to continue. My, you know, things could always happen by changing regulations and making investors uh, sort of get uh, get cold feet because of because of this. So there's that's always a possibility, but the signs that we're seeing are that these trends are going to continue. Great, Marta. Thank you very much for your time. That was Marsha Ellis, Global Chair of the Private Equity Practice at Morrison & Forster. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of DealCast, presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. This special episode is in partnership with Morrison & Forster. Please rate, review and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode. 